Hi, I'm Magic Tom, the producer for Sam and Ted's Famous Last Words. Welcome to the Babel Sound Studio, where we're sitting in on an American and a Brit, twisting each other's words, getting tongue-tied, and generally reflecting upon the strange beauty of that majestic, rather odd thing we call the English language. Let's start the show. You're listening to Sam and Ted's Famous Last Words. Sam and Ted's Famous Last Words! Boo! <gasps> Boo what? Boo! Boo! Sorry, Ted? Are you feeling okay? Um, why, why are you making those funny noises? And um, why are you wearing that bedsheet? I, I know you have problems getting up in the morning, but isn't bringing all of your bedding into work a little bit over the top? You could have at least put on some trousers. Phantoms don't wear pants. Sorry, what? I'm lost. Phantoms, Sam. I'm a phantom. A spectre. A ghost. Oh, right. Okay. Um, how about that? How unusual. So, uh, you're dead. Is that what you're telling me? I didn't get the memo, but I'd be happy to write your obituary. Um, what about this? So, Ted is dead. He wasn't right in the head, and he sure liked staying in bed. He will probably be missed by someone in Wisconsin. Full stop. What do you think? I think you're confused. Yeah, that is true. Um, can you actually tell me what's going on then? Uh, why are you wearing that bedsheet? It's Halloween. All Hallows' Eve. The Night of the Dead, Sam. And this is my ghost costume. Ted, I think you're confused. It was Halloween last week. And uh, to be honest, it's a little bit weird talking to a man with a sheet over his head dead or alive. Um, you might say it's a bit spooky. Look at Brooke, she's shaking with fear. Who? Brooke, you know, our new producer. Oh. Hi. Hi. You're terrified, Brooke, right? Yeah, I'm super scared. That's because we're logomaniacs. Uh, maniacs? No, no, not maniacs. Logomaniacs. L-O-G-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-S. People who are obsessed with words. Well, I have noticed you don't stop talking. Is that the same thing? Yes, actually. Both people who are obsessed with words and people that talk a lot are logomaniacs. On a side note, maniac comes from the Greek word mania, meaning madness, frenzy, or mad passion. Okay. But, Ted, will you just take off that sheet? It's starting to give me the creeps. What? The creeps. You know, the willies. It's spooky. All right. I'll take it off. But hey, how about this week we do a spooky special? Yeah, brilliant. Um, in fact, didn't we say we'd do a segment called um, Spooky Spoonerisms, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember. Can you remind me what a spoonerism is again? I've got a short memory. A toast to our queer old dean. What? Go and shake a tower. Sam, are you okay? What the heck are you saying? Are you being possessed by an evil spirit? Hold on, I'm calling a priest to perform an exorcism. I'm fine, thanks, Ted. No need for a priest. No need for an exorcism. You see... 
A toast to our queer old Dean and go and shake a tower are both spoonerisms. A spoonerism is when you mix up the first letters of two words or swap around the syllables. And you end up with a funny phrase like a toast to our queer old Dean, which should be a toast to our dear old queen. Ah, right. So go and shake a tower should be go and take a shower. You got it. Awesome. And why are they called spoonerisms? So they're named after an English priest, the Reverend William Archibald Spooner, who lived in the 19th century. He had terrible eyesight and said things back to front all the time. I guess it happened often enough that these types of verbal mistakes got called spoonerisms. Sounds like the good reverend was verbally confused. Yes, and he's not the only one. I'm often very verbally confused. But as of yet, no one's named anything after me. Anyway, a spoonerism can also be intentional. You know, wordplay. A friend of mine makes up spoonerisms all the time. It's actually quite annoying. Like what? A lack of pies. A lack of pies? Is he a baker? No, sadly not. Instead of a pack of lies, which means a whole load of made-up nonsense, he'd say a lack of pies. Okay. You got any more examples from this Spooner guy? Sure. So here are some classic Spoonerisms that the good reverend is claimed to have said. I tell you what, I'll give you the Spoonerism and you tell me what he should have said. Okay, sounds good. Okay, here's the first one. It is customary to cuss the bride. Um, it's customary to kiss the bride. That's right, Ted. Okay, yep. Yep. one for one. Here's the next one. Blushing crow. Blushing crow should be crushing blow. Can you tell me what a crushing blow is, Ted, actually? Yes, a crushing blow is a major defeat or setback that is devastating. For example, you making fun of me all the time is a crushing blow to my self-esteem. I think you might be rather overdoing it, Ted, but let's move on. The next one is one of my favorites. A well-boiled icicle. Mm, sounds like a good base for soup, but I guess it should be a well-oiled bicycle. Exactly. Everyone needs a well-oiled bicycle. Next. Will nobody pat my hiccup? What? Will nobody pat my hiccup? I, I'm stumped here. Yeah, in this case, um, the good reverend had uh, dropped his hat on the floor and mistakenly said, will nobody pat my hiccup uh, instead of... Will nobody pick my hat up? Exactly. Will uh, nobody okay. pick my hat up? Okay. The next one was said to a lazy student. And the reverend said, you have tasted a whole worm. Mmm, yummy. <laughs> um... Okay, if he's talking to a student, I guess he wanted to say, you have wasted a whole term. I suppose he did. Okay. Yep. And lastly, uh, the classic Spoonerism is, Modern me, Padam. You are occupying my pie. May I sew you to another sheet? Could you repeat that one? <laughs> yeah, sure. It's a bit long. Okay, so he said, Modern me, Padam. You are occupying pewing my pie. May I sew you to another sheet? Okay, I think I've got it. Yeah. So, pardon me, padam. Should be pardon me, madam. Exactly. You are occupying my pie. Should be you're occupying my pew or exactly. a, a seat in a church. Exactly. And may I sew you to another sheet? 
should be, may I show you to another seat? Yeah. He was obviously very confused. But polite, <laughs> quite polite. But always, always polite. All right. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't really know what was spooky about any of that. Maybe it's a British thing. Well, Britain is a pretty spooky place. Uh, I mean, think about all those haunted houses and stuff. Sure. Um, speaking of British culture, do you think Shilliam Wakespeare liked Spoonerisms? <laughs> William Shakespeare, you mean? Right. The Great Bard? Yeah, I mean, the term didn't exist in William Shakespeare's time, but I bet he'd have been good at it. Uh, he certainly liked a euphemism. A euphemism? What? UFOisms? Are you saying Shakespeare was an alien? You really are a maniac, Ted. No, euphemisms have got nothing to do with UFOs. A euphemism is a vague term that indirectly refers to something people think of as harsh, offensive, or impolite. Okay. So a euphemism is a word or phrase which describes someone or something in a kind of roundabout way. It makes the bad seem good, the negative seem positive, the unpleasant seem attractive, or at least less terrible. Hey, um, is this a new segment? Oh, I guess it is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I'm gonna call it... Eerie euphemisms. Does eerie also mean spooky? Yes, my ghostly friend. But what's spooky or eerie about euphemisms? Have you never heard of the beast with two backs, Ted? That's Shakespeare again, isn't it? It is. It comes from the play Othello. Sounds spooky, but um, doesn't it mean... Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. The beast with two backs is a euphemistic way of talking about sex. Because, of course, everything that English speakers don't like talking about, they invent euphemisms for. And there are a lot of things we don't like talking about. Sex and death are top of the list, of course. Yeah, death is too spooky for me, Sam. Give me some euphemisms to protect my weak nerves, please. I had no idea you're such a delicate flower, Ted. But yes, of course, if you want to talk about death euphemistically, that is indirectly, you can use any of the following phrases. So you can say uh, someone has passed on or passed away. Um, you can say someone has departed, gone or slipped away. Someone has cashed in their chips. Someone has crossed over to the other side. Someone has given up the ghost. Um, someone has kicked the bucket. I'm not quite sure where that comes from, but um, uh, it's a common one for sure. We hear it all the time. Right, that's where we get um, bucket list, right? Things to do before you kick the bucket. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. True, true. Um, if you've died, you have breathed your last. Or you have met your maker. Your maker being uh, God, presumably, or whoever made you. Um, and um, here's a nice one. I think this comes from uh, your land of birth, Ted. And it is to shuffle off to Buffalo. Oh, yeah. Like Buffalo, New York. Exactly. I guess it's a heavenly place. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, this is my personal favorite. Um, when um, someone has died, you can say they have popped their clogs. Popped their what? Clogs, Ted, clogs. Clogs are, um, you know, clogs are wooden shoes. You know, they, they traditionally wear them in Holland. Okay, I think. and they 
pop off when you die? Yeah, that's right. You die and your shoes fall off. Um, I don't know why, um, but we say uh, you have popped your clogs. I'm not sure about that one, but um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. You must know some euphemisms, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I know a lot of great euphemisms for vomiting or you know, being sick. Oh, right. um, nice. And they're pretty good for Halloween, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, for example, we have um, to do a Technicolor yawn. Mm, that's a good one. That's uh, perfect after you eat too much colorful Halloween candy. To blow chunks. That's disgusting. To eat lunch in reverse. To pray to the porcelain god. Okay, yeah. In the UK, we say to speak on the porcelain phone. I mean, the porcelain phone being the toilet. Right, exactly. Because yeah, it's made of porcelain, mm-hmm. right? Right. And I think yeah. we say pray to the porcelain god because you're on your knees like you're praying. <laughs> Very graphic. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, and the last one here, to toss your cookies. I have never heard that one, but um, it's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So in the UK, at least, um, if you want to suggest that someone is highly strange or eccentric, you would say, he's not all there, he's bonkers, he's a sandwich short of a picnic, he's lost his marbles. I know that one. Yeah, it's very famous. Um, he's cuckoo, like the bird. Okay. Don't know why. Cuckoo. Cuckoo's a... They sound kind of... Eccentric, I don't know. And one of my favourites is he's got bats in the belfry. What's a belfry? Oh, the belfry's like the tower in the church. Oh, so okay. I guess it's sort of a, a metaphor for the head. All he's right. got bats flying okay. around in his head. Hmm. Those are some interesting euphemisms. Speaking of euphemisms, you said these are used to describe someone who is highly strange or eccentric. That sounds a bit euphemistic to me. You're not wrong, Ted, but my family uses these ones all the time. I suppose we are a strange and eccentric lot. I can imagine. I've got another one for you. If you're dangerous, but you don't look like it, you are... A wolf in sheep's clothing. That's that's right. A dangerous wolf disguised as a harmless little lamb. Oh, and if you want to suggest that someone's a liar, you can say that they're... Economical with the truth. But uh, what about the poor? What about them? They are economically disadvantaged or in reduced circumstances, right? Bingo. But let's return to the awkward topic of Shakespeare's Beast with Two Backs. The English traditionally avoid talking about sex at all costs, which explains why there are literally hundreds of common euphemisms for it. For example, we have to sleep together. To make whoopee. Whoopee! <laughs> sounds like fun, doesn't it? Um, to get your leg over. A roll in the hay. That sounds itchy. <laughs> possibly. Possibly something you would do on a farmyard. Right. Rumpy pumpy. Ugh. It's a bit old-fashioned. <laughs> oh, this is a nice one. The birds and the bees. Ah, uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Um, that's how my parents put it when they had to give me the talk. It's probably the most polite way of talking about it. And another great one. Hanky Panky, which I think was a Madonna song. All right. Sounds kind of like a dance. Like, do the hanky panky. Could be, could be. Okay. Anyway, I guess once you've finished with all that hanky panky, you might find yourself pregnant. That would be a shock. In which case, you could be described as in the club. Hang on, what club? I I really don't know. I guess the baby club? I guess so. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Up the duff. Mm Mm-hmm. Knocked up. Or... That you have a bun in the oven. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, we use that a lot. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, that was all very interesting, Ted, don't you think? If any listeners out there have heard any euphemisms that they don't quite understand, we'd be very happy to explain. Just tweet or email us. And now, Ted, you know how to talk your way around all of those uncomfortable subjects, including death. I'll never think about clogs in the same way, Sam. That's for sure. Yeah, sure. Okay, but keeping our clogs firmly on our feet for now, I'm happy to say that we've arrived at our regular Celebrity Bites segment. Where we invite a guest onto the show and then mercilessly interrogate them. Who's our uh, victim? I mean, guest this week, Sam. So this week, our special guest is in-house business English expert, Sophie Le Fay. Welcome to the Babble Torture Chamber. I mean, sound studio, Sophie. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Thanks for the warm welcome. Sophie, it's true that you are also an expert in medieval warfare, right? That is what my resume says. Yes, indeed. You must be a great strategist. I do love a cunning plan. It's true. So, it's a fact that over the years, many strong, intelligent, independent women have had a very hard time, right? Some were even accused of witchcraft. Yep, accused of all kinds of things. You see women being put up on trial for absolutely everything over the years. Right. Um, Now, I know, so your specialty is um, women in medieval warfare, right? That's right. If I'm not mistaken, Joan of Arc, she was put on trial for witchcraft and burned at the stake, right? I'm afraid you are mistaken, Ted. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. She was put on trial and she was burned, but it was actually for heresy and in particular for the crime of cross-dressing. For dressing like a man? Yep, because she dressed like a man. So they were very happy for her to lead troops into battle, but not wearing trousers. She was burnt at the stake for wearing trousers. Is that what you're saying? Yes, burnt by the English. It seems a bit over the top. Right, okay. Can't trust the 15th century laws. (laughs) No, no way. What a shocker. Moving swiftly on from that horrifying revelation, what we'd like to do today, Sophie, is put you on trial, um, in a manner of speaking. Yeah, I mean, it's more like a quiz than a trial. Yeah, that's right. We're going to ask you a few questions, and from your answers, we'll be able to tell if you're qualified to be a professional witch. Shall we begin, Ted? We shall. This quiz is called... Which is which? (laughs) Sophie, my first question. If you were going to join a club, which of the following would it be? A. A chess club. B. A ladies wrestling team. C. A coven. Or D. A skydiving club. I'm going to have to go for C there, a coven. Great. Just to um, clarify to our listeners, a coven is a group of witches, traditionally 13, and uh, they do things like dancing around under the moonlight. Right, and communing with Satan and things like that, (laughs) right? Well, possibly, yeah. Possibly. (laughs) All right. Um, Next question for you, Sophie. Which of the following people would you rather go on a date with? A, a male stripper. B, A necromancer, C, a sheep farmer, or D, a close colleague from Wisconsin. Hey, Ted, you're from Wisconsin, aren't you? Yes. Oh, right. Okay. I mean, do I definitely have to choose? I mean, all four sounds could be quite a party. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm only allowed one option, then I think I'd probably have the most fun with B, a necromancer. Right. 
I agree. Yeah, I for so. sure. Um, I mean, I am a little bit disappointed you didn't choose D, but I see why you chose what you did. Yeah, because a necromancer is someone who performs death magic, right? Such as raising the dead or summoning spirits. Yeah, usually to reveal the future or influence the course of events. It sounds so. like they would make a fun date right. in any case. Great. Sophie, our next question. If you lost something, how would you go about finding it? A. By dowsing. B. Using a pack of trained sniffer dogs. C. By getting drunk. Or D. Retracing your steps. I don't think I've ever found anything by getting drunk. Quite the opposite. Um, so sure. I'm going to go for A. By dowsing. All right. And listeners, just to let you know, dowsing means using a pendulum, bent wires, or a forked branch to search for things. Yeah, things like uh, treasure or, or water. Water often, from yeah. the ground, right, like yeah. a well. If yeah. you see someone wandering around a field with two bent wires, they're probably dowsing. Yeah, looking for water. Yeah. Okay, next question. If you had to choose a familiar, what type of animal would it be? A, an elephant. B, a rhino. C, a lobster. Or D, a dachshund named Freddy. Aw, well, seeing as I already have one of these at home, I'm going to have to go for D, a dachshund named Freddy. Uh, can I just ask, Ted, um, what is a familiar? I'm unfamiliar with the term <laughs> familiar, so to speak. Um, a familiar is a witch's magical helper, usually taking the form of a household pet, such as a cat, rat, or snake. Super. So, if your leg or another body part suddenly fell off, what would you use to relieve the pain? Would it be A, prescription painkillers and a plaster? B, a stiff upper lip? A stiff what? In England, we have stiff upper lips. What is a stiff upper lip? It means you just get on with it. You just um, ignore the pain and carry on. Okay. C, a salve, or D, a pot of ice cream and an opium pipe? Well... I am British, so I'm drawn to the stiff upper lip. However, I've been living in Germany long enough to think of other solutions now, so I'm going to go for C, a salve. Okay, and Sam, what is a salve? To clarify, a salve is an oily substance that is put on sore skin or a wound to help it heal. Okay, um, I don't know how much that would help a, a leg that fell off, but... Well, All right. you know, witches love that stuff. Lots of herbs are involved, I think. Okay, next one. If you needed to look up a fact online, which of the following websites would you use? A. Google B. Urban Dictionary C. Wikipedia or D. Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia sounds like so much fun. Who wrote this question? Is Wikipedia a real thing? Yes, Wikipedia is a real thing. What is it? Well, of course it's a play on words with Wikipedia. And it's a very similar website, but instead of having articles about history and science and things like that, it has lots of definitions of magical and arcane words. Oh, cool. So, listeners, if you have an uncontrollable desire to learn some more magical vocabulary, go check it out. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, uh, this is our final question for you, dear Sophie. If you had to choose between the following professions, which would it be? A, vet, B, bus driver, C, cheese tester, or D, warlock? 
Well, I basically already am a cheese tester because I eat cheese on a daily basis. But if we're talking about careers and professions, I'm going to go for D, warlock. Sam, isn't a warlock a male witch? Well, Ted, traditionally, yes, you're right. A warlock is a male witch. But in these days of gender equality in the workplace, um, I think it's perfectly fine to refer to a woman as a warlock. And also, traditionally, a warlock can be a witch who has broken an oath to their coven. Sophie, have you broken an oath to your coven? Are you an oath breaker? I can neither confirm nor deny. Smart answer. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, what do Sophie's answers tell us about her magical personality? Well, Ted, the results are pretty clear, I would say. It would seem that Sophie has occult tendencies. She's in a cult? No, Ted, no, Ted. The word occult comes from the Latin occultus, which means hidden or secret. It's usually used to refer to the paranormal, um, such as ghosts, magic, aliens, paganism and stuff like that. She's a pagan? Well, pagan is a very broad term for describing people who worship many gods, usually those outside of the mainstream religions of the world, like Christianity or Hinduism. I would say, to be more precise, she's possibly a Wiccan. Yeah, she's definitely wicked. <laughs> she is wicked in the positive sense, but no, what, I'm, what I mean is she's a Wiccan, Ted. A Wiccan. A follower of the religion Wicca, which is basically a modern form of nature worship. We're talking modern witches. Ah, uh, yeah. I've been reading this book. It's about the history of witches and how it relates a lot to feminism. And a big reason that witches were demonized is because they were a threat to men. Um, to the because patriarchy. They were, right, to the mm. patriarchy because they were strong, intelligent women, um, and they especially threatened uh, male doctors um, because witches had their their own system of medicine and, like, homeopathy and yeah, things herbal, like this. Yeah, herbal and, medicine. Right, and they knew things um, by being involved with the treatment of the human body for so long, um, but they weren't the correct things, you know, the things learned in universities and things. Um, Because women weren't allowed to go to university. Right, exactly. So that was a big reason why they were said to be communing with Satan and unholy. That way they could be delegitimized by the men in the society. Yeah, yeah, wow. Fascinating stuff. Okay. But, Sophie, can you confirm our suspicions? Are you a modern witch? Well... I would love to be best friends with Hermione Granger, but that's probably as close as I'm getting to it. All right. Well, I'm glad that we cleared that up. Then I guess you don't have a magic spell that would clear up Ted's logomania, do you, Sophie? He's got a bad case of verbal diarrhea, you know. He just can't stop talking. I'm afraid not. Ooh, what about a salve? Have you got one of those? Not on me, sorry. Mm, Right. Anyway... Listeners, thank you for joining us today with Sorceress Sophie in the Spooky Sound Studio. As always, if you'd like to contact us with any questions, suggestions, ghost stories, uh, or the like, you can tweet at us, at Babbel, or you can write us an email at podcasting at Until next time, boo.